evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network, Golden Gold Press, and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL Championship. Tonight, we're going to recap a very big win over a slightly shorthanded Birmingham Legion FC. Uh, Retribution for canceling the game due to weather concerns, I guess. Uh, we will talk to Sebastian Elney, first year, first year striker for the Red Bulls. Uh, we had a great talk with him uh, earlier, and we're going to preview the match against Ottawa Fury FC at the uh, the most obvious hour of the day, ten thirty a.m. on a Wednesday. Because <laughs> once again, I think it's Camp Day up there in Canada. Joining me tonight, you know him, you love him. It's Joe Steen. Hello, Joe. Hey, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I think, is this three weeks in a row that you've been on the show? It is three weeks. It is three weeks. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) We're recording at better times for you now. Yeah, yeah, no, it's much easier now, which is good. Um, good. But another another dominant win at home on uh, this past week. Um, So that sees them go to, you know, first on the table. And, uh... You know, prepare for a uh, quick two-game road trip before uh, they come back home. Yeah, and uh, let's talk about the fact that, and we've seen this before, when they loan down a lot of first-team guys, it tends to be a little bit tricky. Uh, Not the case again here. Uh, Both Etienne and Ivan were just electric the other night. I thought that, uh, especially Ivan, his passing was on a completely other level and I was glad to see him get rewarded with some time with the first team this week. And uh, uh, Jorgensen, I thought, had, you know, not a, a terrific game, but certainly his best game so far uh, with Red Bull 2 or Red Bull. And uh, a- another goal from Tom Barlow. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> he just steps onto the field uh, for a second, scores a goal, and yeah, all, all is well in the world. Yeah, I mean... It- I got to, I mean, credit to Derek um, for, you know, you mentioned him and I have been credit to Derek for reading a, a bad back pass and opening the scoring. And I definitely think that gave him some confidence this weekend where he uh, made a huge impact on the game coming on as a sub. Um, but I think the big thing in this game is about Matthias Jorgensen because we've kind of, I mean, I think a lot of expectations been placed on him because, you know, he was you know, hyped up when he was brought in and everything. And I don't really think he's settled in just yet, but, and I I was one of those people who thought maybe, you know, some time with the USL team to get him, you know, used to the style, used to how they play and integrate him a little bit instead of just throwing him right into the fire and with the first team. And this game, you really saw what he's about, which I mean, was really good. I mean, two very nice finishes. I thought his movement was great. Uh, and I really was impressed with him, which I mean, and also getting him getting confidence with, you know, the, uh, Red Bull two could, you know, help like we saw with Derek on Sunday could, or Saturday could help him with, uh, you know, the first team. Yeah. Not to get off a track of, uh, speaking about Jorgensen, cause I would like to continue talking about him. Uh, but I think Etienne might be the first player in the history of these two clubs of USL uh, MLS partnership that has been going on over the last uh, four or five seasons. I think he's the first player to score a winning goal for both teams in the same week. <laughs> oh man, that's, 
that's that's crazy when you think about it. I mean, he scores on Wednesday and then scores a game winner. I mean, credit to him because he's put in. I mean, you could tell with with especially watching him with the reserve team, he's put in a lot of hard work. Yeah, this season has started. And just because of the abundance of wingers that they have on the first team, it's been hard for some of the guys to break in. But I was really happy to see him score, you know, read that bad, that bad back pass score and then, you know, score, a, you know, the game winner on Saturday, too. So you're really starting to you really with a player like him, you really see what this organization is all about as far as, you know, integrating everybody. Yeah. And you look, all the guys that we mentioned at the top of that, Jorgensen, Etienne and Ivan. Uh, they have all spent time uh, under the the sort of um, air of angry Red Bull fans uh, who feel like they're not living up to what they should be. All three guys had tremendous weeks, and uh, hopefully they can continue that progress. Uh, getting back to Matthias Jorgensen, uh, one of the things that I think he struggled with at times in this match was uh, getting himself uh, on the ball, checking back, combining with his teammates. But we continue to see the best of what he does, and that's reading those uh, those lanes, running the channels, pulling out defenders, opening up space. And what we got to see this week, which we hadn't before, is uh, his ability to read sort of those second ball chances that are going to pop up in the box. And uh, his patience in terms of waiting on the run, uh, his first goal, a beautiful pass from Etienne, just you know, delicately chipped in, but it relies entirely on Matthias reading that uh, that pass coming from from Etienne and just uh, timing it perfectly. So great to see him do what he he was doing, and yes, he still has a ways to go. I think uh, in terms of the way that the strikers who have played for Red Bull Two. Uh, go this season. Obviously, Tom Barlow is at the tippity top. Uh, Brian White, uh, obviously, he didn't have a ton of time, but uh, very close in that conversation of of who was the the better striker. Uh, He's obviously being rewarded with MLS minutes because of Bradley's injury. Uh, And then Jorgensen is still kind of trying to find his way, but he's swiftly moving up that list. And I think if he continues to put in performances like this, it's, it's a matter of time before we start seeing him with the first team again. Yeah, uh, I, I can't disagree on that. I mean, if you put in the hard work with Red Bull 2, you're rewarded with first-team minutes, as we've seen. And, you know, the biggest, like you mentioned, the biggest case of that is Brian White, who's abs- I think he's put in some great minutes with the first team in these last few games of Bradley being injured. And, it, you know, he had to wait for his chance, but he's making the most of it right now. Yeah. Uh, other notables from this game. Uh, Ryan Mara gets his second start uh, for Red Bull 2. Again, gets another shutout in a hugely <laughs> lopsided victory. He didn't have a ton to do in this game, but he did uh, make some nice saves when he was called upon. Uh, Sean Nealis gets his first goal, uh, uh, technically his first professional goal, because he did score in the preseason, but uh, obviously that does not count <laughs> towards his, his total. Uh, we talked to him after the match and failed to mention it. Sean, if you're listening... Uh, we blew it on that one. <laughs> we were too concerned with how well you guys did in the back. We didn't even think about talking about that goal, but congrats on getting it. Uh, we're very proud of you. Hopefully we'll have you on the show soon and uh, you can tease us about it or something. Uh, the only other thing I think uh, really to look at in this match, uh, Kofi coming off of what I thought was his best performance last week, not uh, you know, not a great one this week. I think it is a little bit of a step back. His passing really wasn't crisp. Um, 
he was okay defensively, but uh, I think he he was raising the bar with each performance, and this was just a step back. I was wondering uh, w- if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough because him playing with um, with Lima so much. Uh, I think it was a little bit of an adjustment this game. Um, you know, a little bit of a different formation too. So I think it was a little tough adjusting to that to that for him. But um, I mean, it, it seems like we're, we're not we haven't gotten he hasn't gotten to what he's capable of yet. It seems like we're getting you know one one performance or another from him. It's more of um, you know I, I just think I, I think the biggest thing with him and I t- I've talked about this a couple times this year is just finding consistency. Yeah. Um, and and that's and that's something that you know it's his first year with this team. Um, maybe we'll see it go, we'll see it more often as the season goes on because, um, right now, I mean, like you said, last, last game he was, I thought he was excellent. Probably one of the best players in the field last week, you know, not so great, but I mean, in, in a game where they won five, nothing, I mean, I, I, I think it, I think a performance yeah. <laughs> like that, he can, you know, can 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 be thrown by the wayside because I think everybody else played so well that a lot of people aren't going to notice it too much. Exactly. And you, you hit the nail on the head. It's all about consistency for him. I think in a lot of ways, he reminds me of how Christian Caceres started with the second team last year. It took a yep. little while for him to, to consistently put in the performances that we came to expect uh, from him by the end of the season. And I think Kofi's in the same kind of place. It, it's a new environment, new things to uh, sort of adjust to. And uh, I, I think it's a matter of time. Let's talk man of the match. Who you got? Uh, easy for me. Matthias Jorgensen has two goals and looks like the player we are hoping him to become with the first team. Okay, I think that's fair. I'm going to give mine to Derek Etienne. Uh, getting the team started with the goal. Really on the night, he was just fantastic. He had the assists as well that we mentioned. And uh, yeah. Uh, I think those are two worthy choices. Derek, uh, Matias. Tiny little <laughs> bit of uh, Red Bull 2 news before we uh, take a break and, and go to our interview. Uh, the Red Bulls have finally added some uh, goalkeeping depth that is not the Academy <laughs> uh, to the <laughs> roster, which, look, I have no problem with Academy players being there, um, but I think mostly that was just insurance. Uh, finally, Rashid Nuhu, uh, he was the 70th overall selection for Red Bulls in the Super Draft. He's finally signed. Uh, you know, there, it took a little time for him to actually get uh, the act- the signature done and his inclusion in the team done. But he's been around in training all this time. I've seen him at the the uh, practice facility, so not not that big of a. Uh, of a surprise to see him finally get that contract. And then, uh, they also brought in, uh, a fellow Venezuelan Miguel Silva. He played at a team that Caceres played at, uh, Deportiva La Guerra. I hope I said that right. If I didn't, I apologize tremendously. Uh, and he also played at Metropolitanos, uh, in Venezuela with Edgardo Rido. So there seems to be sort of a, uh, Venezuelan pipeline, uh, no pun intended. Uh, opening up <laughs> to the Red Bulls, too. They're bringing in a lot of these uh, young Venezuelan players, although I guess Edgardo Rito isn't exactly young. Uh, but that could be a really uh, sort of talent-rich vein and something that I know 
Red Bull's uh, MLS fans really want to have, you know, a steady crop of young South American talents. And Venezuela is is one of those places that I think maybe doesn't get the respect that it deserves because of the other teams in the region and has players that are more than capable of adding uh, tremendous value to the team. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, the, all, every, it seems like every league has like a pipeline where they try and look for players from certain countries and stuff like that. And like you mentioned, uh, you've had Rito and Caceres from basically two teams that, you know, he's played on. And, you know, I, I think I, I think they've they've liked what they, you know, they like what they saw from Caceres and figured, hey, you know, why not? Let's, you know, keep trying to bring some of these guys in from that might, you know, may not be well known. And, you know, we could possibly find some really good players. Yeah. And uh, hopefully we get to see uh, some of that from him. Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for him to get into the 18. Uh, but he's he's a young player. He's a talented player, and uh, you know, should he get his chance, I think it'll be really interesting to see what he he can bring. Uh, last thing I want to talk about before we go to break, looking at the power rankings for this week for USL. I know it doesn't really matter. I know, <laughs> but still, here I am looking at them. St. Louis finally drops down out of first place. Up top right now, the Tampa Bay Rowdies. They are 4-0-5. Yes, they are undefeated, but they have five draws. For some reason, that keeps them at the top of the power rankings. Joe, I think this is crazy. They, Yes, they got a point against <laughs> Indy, but that was sort of a... Uh, maybe gut check isn't exactly the right thing. But I'm more impressed that Indy got a point out of that game than I am with Tampa Bay, being that they were a man up for so much of it. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because I just don't understand the team. I get it, they're undefeated, but it's not like, you know, the, you know, Red Bulls 2 had one clunker against uh, Loudon, and that's that's it. I mean, other than that, they've blown teams out. They they didn't get a road win until October last year, and they, they got one in their first right. <laughs> their first game, of the, first game of the year. So I, I don't quite understand what... Um, they're looking for it's not it's not as if that and they and they beat indy 11 which tampa bay did not do so i i don't i don't quite understand i I mean i i guess i understand that they're undefeated but i would put the hottest team on top of the power rankings instead of the team that's undefeated personally you would think so and uh i will temper uh what i've said and the i do believe that they should be at the top of the power rankings but if there's one thing that you could really say against them at this point, it's that the teams that, that are in the, the bottom six spots, uh, four of them have been responsible for uh, – or sorry, the, the Red Bulls have four wins against those bottom six teams. So, all right. I'll, I'll give it a little bit of a uh, benefit of the doubt treatment. But I mean, <laughs> they've been so good to start the year. They're leading the USL in scoring. Tom Barlow is in, in the lead for Golden Boot. Uh, they're leading in chance created per game and uh, you know big chances created per game. So I think it's a matter of time before they're at the top, but a little bit silly that they're not right now. Anyway, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Sebastian Elney. So stick around.
And we're back. We are joined now by another first-timer to the show. We're covering all the young guys. We had Reese, we had Janos, and tonight we have Sebastian Elney. Sebastian, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, so, first year uh, with, the, with the USL side, you had some time in the U23s, but l- let's rewind all the way back. Uh, tell me a little bit about when you first started playing. Um, yeah, so I just started playing soccer my last room, basically. Um, my dad always kept the ball around, and I'd kick it around, and ever since I can remember, um, I think I started playing in leagues when I was six, um, which was a little behind everyone else, but, um, and then from there, when I age six, I played with, uh, club called one beach nights and it's just like a small recreational um like ayso soccer kind mm-hmm. of thing and then um from there i eventually went to Bucky united at like age 14 um and then from there basically when i joined Bucky united started getting like national team call-ups and really started like seeing a world of soccer and whatnot yeah and then, let's see. And so I would play for Bucky United. That was my freshman year. And then the next year, my sophomore year, I went to a residency with the U17 national team. Um, junior year, I came back home. I went back to Boca High and played high school soccer and with Bucky United again. And then my senior year, we decided it was the best move for me to go to Philadelphia Union and play for the academy. So I, I guess I want to start with the, the residency uh, for a little bit. What was that experience like? I, I don't. I have talked to a few of the guys who have been through it, uh, but I, I don't think I've ever really touched on the, the details of it. Was it sort of uh, a whirlwind because it's kind of a short uh, stint, and you know, then you're back to your club team? Yeah, it was. It was definitely a great experience. Like, there's so much that I've learned that I learned from the experience and took a lot from it. Um, so it was, they took us away from my club team, but even when I'd be back home for breaks, mm-hmm. uh, like a few days, I would go and train with Book United or even playing games with Book United. And so I was still kind of involved in both, but spent most of my days. Obviously, with uh, like at the residency program, right? And who were some of your teammates while while you were there? Um, Chris Lemma, Evan Laurel. Oh, so so scrubs. Uh, sorry, I said so. So some scrubs, huh? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, those are good guys. Obviously. A lot of ballers down there. And then uh, up to Philly for your senior year in high school. So that's what yeah. you said. And uh, what was that experience like for you? Um, it was it was a bit different than residency, mm-hmm. but it was also like another really cool experience. I really enjoyed. And while you were there, I like I, I realized it's a it's again a kind of a short window because it's just that senior year. Uh, but what were your expectations while you were there? What, did you start to see the path to the pros? Or was it it's sort of biting time until you ended up going to college? Um, well, I always, I always had college in mind. I always wanted to 
go to college and play soccer in college and whatnot. And but the opportunity that I had with Philly was was a great opportunity and even when I trained for the academy in the time that I played there I would practice with the first team and whatnot, um, be around those kind of players, see the quality of play that I was up to. And even I went to preseason with the first team. Um like probably in January, like down in Clearwater. Mm-hmm. And that was also like a really cool experience in my time there. And I just like I took a lot from that too. And it was just like it was definitely eye opening in a way and insightful. So it sounds like, you know, you did a lot of moving around from team to team and going in the residency, going in the academy, you know, playing with with the pros down in Florida. Was that at all difficult uh, as a young guy, or did that kind of help acclimate you to to your experiences now? Um, yeah, definitely helped acclimate me to the experiences now. Um, yeah, so four high schools, four different high schools in four years, like four different, like four different cities. Um, and then, yeah, from Boca, Bradenton, and back to Boca, and then Philadelphia. So there's a lot of moving. I'd say. My freshman year, I was at home, and then moving to residency was really the like the first time out of the house, and like I say, that was probably like the first like struggle I'd had to go through mm-hmm. of any sort of like being homesick and whatnot. But then from there, like it just proved to be uh, very essential to the future and the path I've been on. Right. Because from there, it just made every move or transition easier, where I could just be able to switch on focus on my soccer rather than like other things impacting it, you know? Mm-hmm. When did, uh, when did Maryland first, uh, either catch your eye or did you catch their eye? Um, I mean, I definitely, I definitely was aware of the program and the standard of it and like how big the name Maryland soccer was in college soccer. Uh, growing up and just from like hearing things and like looking at like NCAA tournaments and whatnot, you always saw like Maryland and whatnot, and, like big time players. And so I definitely was a fan. And then I'd say my uh, my junior year, man, my junior year at Boca High is when I started getting offers, and um. Yeah, I got a few like really big offers. Well, mm-hmm. I really wanted to, like you know, I really wanted to check out Maryland, and then finally, like a few, just a few months of kind of waiting around and seeing, and like I was more focused on playing, uh, playing at Booking Night at the time, but and kind of put calls in the back burner. Mm-hmm. But Maryland reached out. Um, yeah, an assistant coach reached out, and it's funny because I, when I saw the message, I saw like the Maryland flag in the profile picture. <laughs> so before I even saw the name, I, I already knew what was happening. That was it was just a real big feeling. And I'd say my senior year, I was when I was at Philadelphia, I picked up an injury, which allowed me to go and take my visits. Oh. And I actually I went to. <laughs> Yeah, so I yeah, so I actually committed my senior my senior year fall semester. Um, which is like pretty late. 
Yeah. It was like later than everyone else, but with all the moving and whatnot, it was kind of, it was tough to really, you know, settle down and pick a school. So, yeah, like in Philly, we had games and like, we'd have off on the weekends. And so I was able to take my senior, my official visits. Mm-hmm. And I went to Maryland first. And like once I stepped foot on campus, I, I kind of knew that, that that's where I wanted to go. And after the visit, like I fell in love with the place. I called my parents and I was like, I'm going here. Like, I don't need to go to school. <laughs> right. <laughs> and love parents, of course, were like, you know, go, you got to see them. And so I went, but as soon as the visits were done, I called Sash and said I want to be a Terp. And uh, like you said, that's a really big time program there. And you had a really good run. Right. You, you, uh, managed, uh, to get onto some, uh, you know, sort of, uh, all big, uh, 10 selections and you won a national championship. Uh, what was, what was that all like? Uh, I was, it was like a dream come true. It was everything I could have wanted and my college experience and more. And I mean, when you set out there, on your your Maryland profile, it says you you came to Maryland to win national championships and and you did it. Was that a surreal feeling? Uh, when the yeah, final, that was so surreal. Yeah. Uh, the so other surreal. thing, definitely, yeah. The other thing in your profile, which I, I think um, is pretty great, uh, it it says that you want to own a Chipotle. Is that still a dream of yeah. yours? <laughs> Back in high school, I was a real big fan of Chipotle. It's kind of <laughs> it settled a bit, but. If I could finish on Chipotle, that'd be kind of cool. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so that that brings us up to your your time with the Red Bulls. You spent time with the U23s a little bit, right? Uh, I'm sure that you were un- under the impression that you were on their radar. And then you, you, oh. came, you came into preseason. Obviously, things went pretty well, and now you're with the team. Yeah. Yeah, preseason was great. Um, I actually didn't. I didn't, spend, I didn't spend time with the Red Bull. Oh, you did no. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, it's all good. Uh, okay. Well, then, uh, how did you end up catching the uh, the Red Bulls eye? When when did you know of their interest in you? Um, I'd say right after the right after the draft ended. Uh huh. I got a call and just organized things for me to head on up for preseason and see how things go from there. And obviously, they went pretty well. You had an experience. Yeah, they went pretty well. You had an experience with uh, the union for preseason. Contrast that a little bit about uh, with your experience that you had this past off season with the Red Bulls out in um, Arizona. Um. Yeah. So with Philly, I was down there for I think two weeks. Um. And I, I, I mean, I was seventeen at the time. Uh, a little bit scrawnier, a little bit shorter, but um, I saw that I could, like, I could handle myself with the pros, and like my game could translate into the professional game. And so, I would say having that experience definitely helped because I knew what preseason camp, you know, kind of consists of, and like how how good of a shape you have to be going into it just because you're practicing every day, learning hard every day. And so that definitely helped, but I really enjoyed the preseason with the Red Bulls this past 
um, like yeah, two months ago. And you've obviously since made your debut. Uh, you're a little bit unlucky in that you know Tom Barlow is playing so well right now. They've been loaning down a lot of guys from the first team, but uh, you know I, I imagine that you're still going through a lot of the um, acclimating to the team and and kind of you know setting your expectations and they have their expectations set. Uh, do you have specific goals that you're looking for uh, this season? Um, specifically, I would just say contribute in the best way, any way I can. Um, obviously, team goals just to you know develop players and win games, and so that's I mean that's always the focus at the end of the day. I think that's very, very fair. Before I let you go, mm-hmm. uh, are you ready for the lightning round? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, okay, popcorn, yes or no? Sorry? Popcorn, yes or no? Yes. Star Wars or Star Trek? Neither. <laughs> I think that's two in a row now. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog? Super Mario. Who is your favorite team to play as in FIFA? Um, probably, probably Real Madrid. Okay. Uh, and this is, I'm calling this the Derek Etienne Award. Who is the worst dancer on the Red Bulls 2? Worst dancer on Red Bull 2? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I don't know if I'm throwing the bus. <laughs> no suggestions? Worst dancer? Yeah. Oh, man. That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> Are there several that, that could be in the running for this? No, you know, no one comes to mind. I oh, okay. Just, great <laughs> all right, all right. I'll let you off the hook on that one. <laughs> Sebastian, thank you so much for coming on. No doubt. Thank you. And when we come back, we're going to preview the game at Ottawa. So stick around. back with our final segment uh, I, I believe that i did say earlier that sebastian elney was a fun interview i hope you guys all agree i'm a little disappointed that he wouldn't throw anyone under the bus as the worst dancer on the team but <laughs> <laughs> so it goes as uh, vonnegut would say let's turn our attention to a weird early morning match against ottawa fury it's 10:30 a.m i believe it's camp day uh there was a similar situation last year Ottawa Fury FC, they play at TD Place. They are 3-2-1 on the season with a plus-one goal differential, 3-2-0 in their last five games, and 2-1-0 at home. They have wins in their last five over Atlanta, Loudoun, and Birmingham. Their two losses come to Nashville and Louisville City. So, you know, not a lot that we can necessarily draw from that. They beat some teams that are lower down on the table. They lost to teams that are higher up in the table. This sounds like a, a very Ottawa-type mid-table season, but we're going to have to see how things progress, obviously. Their leaders and goals scored. Kevin Oliveira with two. 
Maura Sam, Carl Howarth, Cristiano Francois, former Rochester Rhino and uh, Pittsburgh Riverham, and Thomas Millier Guigier. I believe I said that right. All have one goal. Assists from Carl Howarth with two, Maura Sam, Wall Fall, another ex Rochester uh, guy, and Kevin Oliveira all have one. I am going to admit now, I have not watched any Ottawa games. I am going in blind on this one. Joe, walk us through what to expect on Wednesday morning. Um, well, I would expect just a, 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 t- a classic uh, Red Bulls 2 Ottawa game, which is a lot of um, counterattacking. This team is very tough to break down. Uh, they, they, they have frustrated Red Bull 2. Um, Red Bull 2 only have, in the six times these two teams have met, they only have one win against them. Um, they've either conceded late uh, and, and lost these games, or they've conceded late and drawn these games. Or, like last year, I believe at uh, Montclair, they just got taken apart and counterattacked every time. Uh, every time Ottawa went down, uh, went up the field, it was, it was, they were dangerous. So... To me, the, I mean, yeah, they haven't, you know, they did lose to Louisville and they lost to Nashville, um, but they are still a, a good mid-table side in USL. And because of how they've given problems to Red Bull 2 in the past, I can definitely see them doing it again on Wednesday. Yeah, and uh, look, that's the kind of team that has traditionally done well against the Red Bulls, teams that can stay compact, that can counterattack. I think this season you've seen uh, Red Bull 2 uh, a little bit better in terms of breaking down defenses that are going to bunker. But still, it's always a, a concern going on the road, playing against sort of a tactically disciplined team at home. Uh, early in the morning is sort of a, a weird <laughs> uh, uh, um, disadvantage. I don't know if it's necessarily a disadvantage for these guys because who knows when they wake up and <laughs> get their day started. I don't want to play soccer at 10.30 in the morning, but, you know. It's... it's- it's a weird time to play. Let's just well, that that's 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 how I would describe it. It's it's very strange. It's a very strange time. I think they played this type of game last year, and they and they drew zero zero. It was. I think I, it was a lot. It was a zero zero draw. Of, yeah, and it was a lot of first team uh, players mixed in too as well. That's correct. And uh, yeah, credit where credit is due. Former Ottawa goalkeeper Maxine Crepeau had a phenomenal game uh, last year during Camp Day. That really is the only reason that this was a draw. Red Bulls could have had two or three goals in that match. Uh, and you mentioned it in terms of where uh, Ottawa has done very well against the Red Bulls. And it seems like every time they meet, something happens towards the end of the match that tips it in Ottawa's favor. They finally got that first win, though, towards the end of last year. Uh, I'm expecting to see a very similar lineup to... What we saw, uh, not against Birmingham, but the week before, I think Tom Barlow should be back up top. Maybe Jorgensen is still with this team. Uh, I'm not really sure. Red Bulls 1 also have a match on Wednesday. Red Bulls 1. (laughs) (laughs) You don't refer to the first movie in a trilogy as one, but whatever. Um, So they've got a game on Wednesday night against Montreal knowing that Bradley is probably still out for that match. Maybe they want to keep Jorgensen with with the first team, which I think is is good. I'd like to see him get some more minutes in that match. Uh, That opens the door for Amarildo. That opens the door for tonight's uh, guest, Sebastian Elney, who I think 
uh, deserve some mon- minutes after showing really well early in the season and just kind of being unlucky in terms of being behind guys like Barlow and White uh, and Am- Amarildo. And uh, I think everybody else, you, you really know what you're going to get out there. But the question is, can they put another performance in on the road uh, like they did earlier in the season? I think it's going to be a challenge, but I think this team this team seems to be different than last year's teams. I think that first road win against Charlotte, who is a very good attacking-minded team, um, this team showed a lot after uh, going down early in that game and getting a couple quick goals and then, for the most part, playing, I, I would say, playing a pretty good game the rest of the way. So the fact that this team doesn't score a lot of goals, uh, I, I think helps this team out because they don't really have to worry too much about, you know, any danger up front or anything like that. And they could kind of play their style, but I don't, I don't know. So uh, it, it's tough because the, the, the time of the game, I think is going to play a little bit of a factor that, you know, the fact they've had, but I also think that the fact that they've had a week off is mm-hmm. going to play a big factor because they've been, they've early on in the season, especially they've been rotating heavily. Yeah. So, um, I think this team can definitely put in a performance that um, that is relative to the first performance against Charlotte. They're just going to have to stay disciplined and just make sure that there's constant communication along that back line. This way, there's no mistakes. Okay, let's get a prediction. Um, I'm going to say a 1-0 win, and Tom Barlow's going to have the goal. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty safe bet. Uh, Tom Barlow will have a goal. 1-0 may be a little less safe. Uh, without Ryan Mira in goal or Mera, um, they have not been able to keep a shutout. So that would be their first with Evan Loro or uh, Rashid Nuhu or um, uh, Miguel. Oh, I forgot his last name. I'm so sorry. You're new to the team. I, I don't have it down yet. Uh, but somebody's going to be in goal. <laughs> Let's see if they can get a shot. Uh, I kind of, I kind of hope Evan has a shot. I think he, think he's earned it. I'm gonna, put in. Uh, I feel bad that that mirror has come down twice and they've, they've had a shutout for him both times. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm going to call this a two to one victory for the Red Bulls. I think they will give up a goal, but I think they should be able to to handle Ottawa and uh, what they're going to bring. Uh, before we talk about USL stuff, I had a couple of questions for you, um, mostly related to a lot of uh, the chatter during the week. Tom Barlow, eight goals on the season now, really, really impressing everyone that's watched this team so far. How long do you think it'll be before we start hearing uh, the murmurs getting louder? Is he somebody who signs with New York Red Bulls in uh, the summer well, I guess he's with the team, so I think he can be loaned up at any time. But do you think right. that he's earning the MLS contract this summer? Hmm, that's that's a good question. Um, I'm gonna say yeah. I think it's gonna be a similar situation to Brian White, where he earns it, but uh, I think that he won't necessarily see too many minutes right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's gonna. I I think if he continues to perform at this level he's going to earn it a lot sooner than people sooner than sooner rather than later i should say and should he sign with the mls version of the red bulls this will be i think the deepest uh core of strikers that they've had for a long long time you have bradley wright phillips brian white 
Matthias Jorgensen, and then presumably Tom Barlow. That's that's a a I mean young and inexperienced, but a very talented group. So that that could be very very interesting, and maybe Bradley takes on sort of the the Miyagi mentor role or, uh, for everybody. Uh, the other thing I want to ask you about is on the back line, we've now seen you know sort of permutations on the outside with everybody uh, who's playing those roles. Janusz Luba, uh, Alan Janis, Edgardo Rito, and Reese Buckmaster. I think, you know, when you look at that group... Uh, oh, I'm definitely forgetting somebody. Who am I forgetting? Uh, Giannis? No, I already said Giannis. There's somebody else on the left, I thought. Uh, I can't remember. Who is it? I got Luba. I got Buckmaster. Ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> Uh, but of that group, Rito? So, no, it's not Rito. No, I got, I got uh, Rito. I can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't think right now. I'm going to pretend to think, but I'm going to look it up. Okay. <laughs> uh, so of the group that we've seen so far, you know, I think coming into the season, Alianis seemed like uh, the the guy who would be starting, and he's definitely been you know replaced a little bit in this lineup. Uh, I was just wondering. Yeah, you know, if you were if you're picking two guys to hold down the wings uh, going forward, who are the who are the two guys out of, out of that group? I think Buckmaster has to be one of them, mm-hmm. and I'm going to give it to Edgardo Rito. I think he's actually put in some good minutes, and I like him going forward. Wow, I uh, I'm a little bit surprised. I got to say, but. <laughs> I, I I agree. He's done really, really well for this team. It'll be interesting to see uh, who does indeed end up there. Well, we also saw Kyle Duncan, but he's not really on this team. Yeah, he's not. He's a first-team player. Um, okay, let's look at the standings. Before we... Oh, excuse me. Before we do anything else, up top in the Eastern Conference, I think maybe for the second time this season... New York Red Bulls, too. 19 points in eight games. They have failed to pick up maximum points in just two games this season. They are rocking and rolling. It's way too early to talk USL Championship, but look out, Eastern Conference. Uh, Below them, with 17 points, St. Louis FC dropping from number one. Then Tampa Bay uh, Rowdies, the last undefeated team in USL. Oh, nope, sorry. Fresno is also still undefeated. Uh, North Carolina FC under them with 15 points. Then Charleston Battery uh, with 15. Nashville Indy uh, both have 14. Then Louisville City at 13. Beth Steele 11. Birmingham Legion 11. Then under the line, Pittsburgh Riverhounds, Ottawa Fury, Atlanta United 2, Loudoun United, Memphis 901 FC. That to me is the biggest surprise right now. They've They've not won in quite a while. Uh, Charlotte Independence, Swope Park Rangers, and Hartford Athletic, who picked up their first points the other day. Woo! Uh, they got them against Charlotte. Uh, not you know a world beater, but uh, congrats, Hartford, on your first professional points. Uh, looking at the teams under the line, I mentioned Memphis as my big surprise because I thought they were better than their record. They've played the most games in the Eastern Conference. One win, six losses, three draws. Not great. Kind of feeling a little bit bad for them. Uh, Still pretty unbalanced down there. 
Uh, you've got Loudon and Swope Park have only played seven games. Ottawa, this week's opponent, has only played six games so far. So <laughs> who knows what to make of, of that so far. Uh, but what's your big surprise right now? Let's. Uh, what's your big surprise at the top of the table? And then we'll we'll talk about the bottom. Nashville not being there is probably my biggest surprise. Uh, I think they've struggled quite a bit. And I, I, like we talked about, it's about more about their chemistry up front. Yeah. Um, but I... I uh, I think them not being there is probably my biggest surprise. And look, they're not that far off. Yes, they're sixth place, uh, but they are only five points out of first, so it's still very early. But yeah, they're they're kind of like this year's Tampa Bay, although Tampa Bay went through a horrid uh, stretch last year. I don't think that Nashville is necessarily going to have something like that happen to them, uh, but we definitely had higher expectations heading into the season, and they haven't met them. Okay, bottom of the table. What's your biggest surprise? Swell Park. I think they. It's been very shocking how bad they've translated to the East. Okay, I, I'm not necessarily surprised by that, but I can understand that. Uh, I think they have a lot of talent, and I think them just their trans. I mean, they were a playoff team in the West, and they're at the they're basically at the bottom of the table in the East. So that's 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 a quite a drop. Yeah. All right. Fair. Uh, Pittsburgh River Hounds are having a very Bob Lilly season. They are two one and five. They will draw all day long and they'll be happy about it uh i think they'll they'll make the playoffs i don't see them being under the line for too long out west new mexico united still up top 17 points then tulsa 15 points portland 15 okc la they both have 14 fresno and reno both have 13 orange county rio grande valley an El Paso locomotive with 12 under the line, Las Vegas lights almost there. They're only a point back. <laughs> they got to make the playoffs this year. I'm telling you Sac Republic. 11 points. Yeah. Uh, Real Monarchs 11, pretty, uh, pretty much everyone under uh, number 10. So from 11 to 15, they've all got 11 points. They're all one point back. So not that big of a deal. Then San Antonio, 10 points at 16th. Then Colorado Springs Switchbacks and Tacoma Defiance. Tacoma is rocking and rolling. Five straight losses. Uh, their closest match over that run is a 2-1 to loss to OKC Energy. The rest of these matches, this is just atrocious. 4 nothing to Orange County. 5 nothing to Las Vegas. 4 nothing to Phoenix. And 3 nothing to San Antonio. Ooh, doggy. They are <laughs> negative 23 goal differential. Negative yeah, they, 23. To say, to say they've been bad is an understatement. They, they, they're last year's Tulsa. Yeah, it is It is just <laughs> astoundingly bad. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Uh, there's not really anything you can say. They're just, they're in a bad spot. They've played 10 yeah. matches. They are averaging... 2.8 goals uh, conceded per match. Yikes. Yikes is right. On the other end of that, Red Bulls have had, you know, they haven't been keeping shutouts, uh, but nine goals in nine games. Not bad. Not bad at nope. all. Nope. Much, much improved from last year. Yes. Tampa Bay, so this is really where it comes in for them having uh, the spot on the power rankings, higher they are. They've only given up four goals this season. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, they, they're, they're, they've uh, they've definitely upped. I, I would say their backline's gotten a lot better from where it was last year because they were 
they were leaking goals left and right towards the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, okay. Moving on. Jason Johnson. Uh, he has been very good for Phoenix uh, this year. He is now ruled out for the next several months with a lower body injury that suffered in their last match. I'm not really sure what lower body injury means, but that's a big loss for that club. Yeah, I mean, they have the depth to, you know, to get by, I think, without him for a little bit, but they're definitely going to feel his loss, especially, you know, with, with the, the big goals he's come up with for them time and time again since being at that club. Yeah, yeah. It is a sad thing, and we hope that you recover nicely, Jason, and uh, hopefully that time will fly by for you. We got some other encouraging news today. Uh, Florian Velo, uh, not obviously full training, but back training, rehabbing from his second ACL injury in the last two years, uh, but it's just good to see him up and about and working, and uh, hopefully... He's back on the field sooner rather than later and remains healthy for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he's he's been – it's been such an unfortunate – I mean, he was so good coming up to the first team last year, and then since then it's it's just been unlucky with injuries. But, yeah. I mean, it's good to see him back. I mean, uh, hopefully, you know, he recovers well and he, he gets back to the flow we all know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You've been doing the ex New York Red Bulls two report. Any any interesting things that we should know about from from those guys? Um, I I, I really like um, Zico Lewis has seemed to have found a really good home in Charleston this year. He's playing very well. Um, had a goal and an assist this weekend uh, in their in their draw. Um, uh, all the all the Tampa Bay guys have been contributing pretty sound minutes. Junior Flemings has been tearing it up in Phoenix this year. Uh, Jose Aguinaga is contributing some important minutes there too. Um, Stefano Bonomo has been getting into the first, getting into the team at Sacramento Republic, which is good to see. Um, yeah, there's there's been a lot of a lot of those guys seem to be finding um, good homes on other teams and getting quality minutes. That's because the Red Bulls are bosses when it comes to player development. They're doing a really great job. Uh, that brings us to the end of another episode of raising bulls that one flew by uh, <laughs> if you'd like to follow us on twitter i am at underscore joe goldstein i am at jsteen 15 and if you'd like to follow the show and we hope you do we are at raising bull cast that's one bull raising bull cast and of course that's on twitter you can also follow our work at red bulls news network rbnn.us uh, on the interwebs and uh, rb news network on twitter you can find us at facebook.com slash raisingbulls. You can go to raisingbulls.com where we post all of our episodes. You can even send questions to Raising Bulls at questions at raisingbulls.com. Did you know that? Sure you did. You've been listening to the show for a while. You've got an idea of how to get in touch with us. You send us questions on Twitter if you don't feel like emailing. Is it too hard to, to open up the email? Maybe. I hate sending emails. Send us questions on Twitter. We'll answer them. Uh, you can find us at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If we're not there, let us know. We will get onto that platform. We're going to hustle. And uh, yeah, you guys should too. Rate us, review us, find us. It helps. Every bit helps. Please, guys. 
we, of course, are part of the BGN family at the Beautiful Game Network, bgn.fm, covering MLS, USL, Premier League, and NWSL. They have a host of great shows. I'm going to start at the bottom of the list and work my way up. Tornado Alley, The Unused Substitute, Texas Soccer Radio, St. Louis Soccer Report, Old Glory, Red Report, Down in the Valley, 1868 Weekly, Play the Kids, Mongols, and so much more. They've got great podcasts. They've got great written content by a host of great uh, hosts <laughs> and writers. Uh, go there. They, they've got a lot of great stuff. You want to stay up on USL? They are the place to do that. Of course, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Golden Goal Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. And of course, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself, for Joe Steen, and Sebastian Elney, thank you very much, and have a great night. Ooh. <laughs> okay, Ric Flair. Ooh.